The Jet Set Breakfast. Music, culture, lively and critical discussions on SAFM. You are with uh, thought leaders, storytellers and griots. And we go into a second story today. And this was a story that uh, we followed up and have been following over a couple of weeks now about uh, dolphins. Yep. So the latest research has indicated that dolphins use whistles almost as a name. So in the same way that your parents name you uh, Tabo or Ntabiseng, whatever the case may be, these dolphins name themselves. So, and they name themselves through a specific whistle. So each dolphin has a specific whistle as a name. That, of course, is Freddy the dolphin. Then there is... And that's Tando, the dolphin. No, I'm kidding you. But they do certainly have names. And we tried to find out a bit more about this, the fact that um, sentient beings think about how they engage. That could be humans, that could be dolphins, that could be elephants. So I chatted to Professor Jason Bruck. He's the assistant professor in the Department of Biology at Austin University in the United States. And I asked him how animals and humans communicate as a means of society. When we study how animals get smart, one of the things that we tend to look at is the complexity of the social system as an argument for how intelligence evolves. Okay. And so the more complex your social system, the more likely it is that you have to develop big brains in order to navigate that world. And so We think of animals like chimpanzees and elephants, hyenas, crows, ravens, some parrots, all having these fission fusion social systems, which are these kind of really complex. I mean, if you, the way I explain it to my students, we think about it as, you know, who you've got your Facebook friends and you've got your friends that are friends with friends and just all these multi-level uh, uh, different friendships that you may have. And you really see that mapped up on social media. Well, animals don't have that. They don't have social media to write, to, to kind of keep track of who everybody's friends are. And they have to do that in their own heads. And so one of the things that we hypothesize is that animals needing to keep track of all the different social relationships they have drive the evolution of some of these cognitive abilities and might explain how we ourselves got smart over uh, generations. Jason, you talk about the fission-fusion relationship, and and I wonder if you could explain that in absolutely literal 101 for our listeners. Sure. Okay. So a fission-fusion social system is basically characterized by the way you live your life. Um, You've got friends that you might hang out with on a Friday night and these are your Friday night friends and you maybe you have your work friends and you basically kind of break up and reform your social groups based upon the context so it's a work context these are the people I hang out with at work Uh, these are my friends that I went to college with or high school with or some other uh, you know context and these are who we hang out with on a Friday night and then I go Uh, you know, in America, we have our Thanksgiving and that's a time for our families to get together. 
And so that would be your family group that, that hangs out. And so animals that hang out in these predictable but fluid social groups, that would be how we define a fission fusion society. Other animals might just hang out with just their mothers, right? In a matriarchal group. Or some other animals may so just socialize with uh, close kin, but nobody else, um, uh, unless it's a mating context. And that would be a very different type of society. So if you talk about that fission-fusion relationship, then obviously that takes us directly to your research, which talks about how do, for you were using dolphins and you were researching mm -hmm. dolphins. How do they stay together, recognize one another? You call it long-term social recognition, LTSR. Explain what you did and explain what you discovered with regards to this long-term social recognition. All right. So uh, for my PhD, uh, what I had decided to do was record dolphin signature whistles, which are individually specific calls that the dolphins generate for themselves. So we... Uh, get names handed to us from our family. Dolphins get to name themselves, and they name themselves in the first year of their lives at some point. At which case, you can record one dolphin and play that back with an underwater speaker to another dolphin who hasn't seen that individual in a few years. And so what I did is basically I played telephone between animals that were in zoos and aquariums that are moved around as part of a breeding program related to, again, keeping that fission fusion society going for dolphins, because that's how they live in the wild. That's how they want them to live uh, under managed care. So the dolphins move at an appropriate age so that they're kind of in the correct social groupings. And in the case of a dolphin, a young male at age three would move into a bachelor group. Uh, and so dolphins would move that way. But you know what? You can you can take advantage of that and say, okay, I'm going to record your mom. And hey, do you remember your mom? Uh, if you haven't seen him in a few years. And that's basically how it would work in the wild. How does a male dolphin remember who mom is long enough to know not to mate with her, for example, because that would be a bad idea uh, in the wild. So those are some of those were some of the questions we might have been interested in. And, and, and what we found when we were working on this is there were some dolphins that hadn't seen each other in 20 plus years. And so we were able to do those playbacks to assess, hey, do you still remember that signature whistle? And when you do this as an experiment and you do the proper controls and you do a lot of the kind of the modeling to look at the at the at how the dolphins responses are, are, are looking over time, you find that dolphins can remember each other even after separations as long as 20, 20 plus years in the study that we did um, in 2013. And then, you know, I, this wasn't part of that study because we did it after it was published, but we actually recorded the signature whistle of an individual that a female who at the time was 50 years old hadn't seen this guy in 43 years. <laughs> and so we did that playback just to see what would happen. She got all and, excited. <laughs> well, I don't know what he did to her, but she, she wasn't a fan. And so she ends up slapping her tail at the underwater speaker, which is the universal symbol for in dolphin of get away from me. I don't like this guy. Ah. Um, of course, we have controls that we put in there so that she didn't really respond to the unfamiliar males of the same age. Uh, but when we put in that familiar dolphin, the dolphin that we knew that she had associated with when they were three years old, actually, 
and now she's in her 50s. So he did something she didn't like. And, and so you ended up with with that very strong uh, response from her. So that indicated that the memory actually can persist as long as 40 plus years. That particular story tells so many different things. I mean, first of all, I'm stunned. I didn't realize that dolphins lived until the ripe old age of 50 odd. I mean, that's just extraordinary. Yeah. Um, and in human care, it's a lot easier for them because they don't have to worry about predators or not having enough yeah. food and stuff like that. So in that case, yeah, you can get them a little bit older. Oh. But then also this idea that if they do recognize um, one another through their whistles over such a long period of time, one has to ask why that's important. So uh, colleagues of mine who are working in Shark Bay, Australia, actually have kind of a naturalistic model uh, where they can answer a lot of these questions. And they've been working with those animals for many years. They have all the photo IDs. They know which dolphin dorsal fin equals which dolphin. They have found that the male dolphins in that area hold some of the most complex alliance systems in, uh, in the world including all species, including even humans. And so their social complexity is at such a level that these dolphins really do need to keep track of, okay, we've had success before as a mating team because they have to corral the females. And so these males would have to remember who are these males that I've worked with before. Um, you have to remember uh, kin at some level to, again, avoid that inbreeding issue. You, you know, Dolphins may bump into full sisters or brothers or half sisters or half brothers that they haven't seen in decades and would have to keep track of who's that individual. And you also may have to keep track of an individual who might have kicked your butt five years ago, six years ago, and realize that that individual might still do that. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why you'd want to keep track of somebody who uh you've had a previous encounter with as a dolphin i don't know if you've heard the story of the orcas in south africa there's a pair of orcas that have been hunting the white sharks what i always found interesting about that particular story was it seemed to me that they really had a very strategic approach to hunting the one orca would sort of ram the white shark and the other orca on the other side would rip out the liver and that was all that they ate and i'm wondering if this is all linked to that kind of thing, that how the dolphins might talk to each other, et cetera, that that may in fact impact the way they think strategically around hunting and that kind of thing. Uh, if you ever watch a, a, a dolphin try to get a fish one-on-one, -on -one, they're not good at it. A fish can turn on a dime, right? Fish, fish are much more agile than, than a larger dolphin. And so some argue that maybe some of the driver for some intelligence is a function of planning and coordination around hunting. And, 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 you know, you're, so you only have to be just enough smarter than your prey, right? Well, in some cases, fish can do some pretty agile things. Um, and in such cases, you would need to then strategize. So you'll see dolphins do the type of feeding where they have to chase the fish up onto the, onto the beach, or you'll see dolphins corral fish into bait balls, and then they have to dart through the bait ball to get, you know, a fish here and there. So they have to come up with some pretty ingenious strategies and all that involves coordination. Boy, isn't it great if you know how reliable a partner can be in your hunting, you know, I know that I work well with this guy and we hunt well together. B 
be a really good thing to be able to keep track of that individual. And they can hear each other's whistles at a pretty good distance, which will allow them to kind of move in and, and, and say, oh, okay, I know him. And then you kind of see them kind of join out in the field to form either you know, a hunting alliance or in the case of what we saw, uh, a colleague saw in Shark Bay, uh, some cons- consort ships and, and males working together to have to corral females who are also quite smart um, and <laughs> may or may not want to be consor- uh, consorted. So you, you really do see um, a need for a reliable social partnerships. You've spent these years and, and done your PhD on this. What have you learned from this personally? What I think the, the most exciting element of this you know, I grew up, my father being a veterinarian, uh, my family being involved in wildlife re- rehabilitation. Um, so, I, I mean, I grew up with these animals. And the one thing that has always interested me the most is not always how alike they are to us, but how different they can be and still solve a lot of the same problems. The more you work with these animals, the more you realize they are not under any obligation to think or act as we would or as we do. They come at some of the problems that we might share in very different ways and still have completely valid answers to figuring out what they have to figure out. And in some ways, some ideas more ingenious, I think, than what we do. A dolphin can't have a voice because as they dive in depth, their voice would change, right? Because of how sound works in water. What is their solution? They come up with signature whistles and that's how they code identity with each other. And so, you know, here there's a little bit of convergence with what we do, but for a completely different reason and for a completely different uh, system, you know, and they name themselves. You know, we don't do that. So it's really kind of just cool to get into that mode where you can appreciate an intelligence that is not ours. And I think that's a really cool thing. I must say, a truly fascinating interview. The latest research, which is indicating that dolphins actually use whistles as name concepts. So when they whistle, that is their name that they are putting out there. And the work that Professor Jason Bruck was doing with bottlenose dolphins, he is the assistant professor in the Department of Biology at Austin University. That's it for our first hour. Don't forget, uh, we are cracking into our second hour. You can get those big, fat, juicy choice songs. You can also enter the conversation as well by WhatsApping, SMSing, or just giving us a call. Eight o'clock, time for the news. Good morning, Luyanda.